Amen. Were you all out there? All right, good, good. Well, listen, uh, uh, just a couple of things to start off. Uh, how many were here last week? All right, I want to just thank you for being gracious. You've heard me once, you came back. Thank you. I can see the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, helping you to be benevolent and gracious and merciful. Thank you. All right, uh, how many were not here last week? Okay, good. Thank you for being honest. Let's start with that, okay? And uh, thanks for uh, uh, being willing to say, uh, who is this guy? I hear he's strange, and you're willing to come. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, last week, I uh, had to get used to uh, leaving the service uh, and then and getting kind of back in the traditional mode. Uh, but after three times, my daughter, I, I pulled her aside, and I said, baby, how'd I do? Rebecca. I said, how'd I do? Did I do okay? Do you think? You know, did I glorify the Lord? Did I, did I do all right? She said, Daddy, let's just say this. If the sermon had needed to be preached again, I could have given it. <laughs> okay, well, all right. Because she had to hear every joke three times, bless her heart. But hey, she hears them at home all the time. So, you know, it's okay. Well, gang, uh, what I want to do is read Scripture. And there's going to be a part in the Scripture where I want you to pick up and read with me. And we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14. And so I want you to uh, just kind of follow along, and then I'm going to have you read along in just a minute. And here's Paul, and he's got a word for us, okay? But whatever were gains to me, I consider, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And I consider them but garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participate in His sufferings, becoming like Him in death. So, somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now I want you to read with me from here on. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Awesome stuff. There's a lot there. The story goes that there was a warrior and he was in the battle where two kingdoms were raging against each other and this battle was critical. In fact, whoever won this battle would have control of the region, uh, would control the known world. And so he comes to the edge of the battle after being in the heat of the battle and, and he has a sword and he looks at his sword. He, he looks at his minor wounds, but he looks at his sword, and the sword is out of alignment from the, the blade, and it's dinged, and it's beaten, and it's been used, and it's worn, and 
and he's weary from the battle. And he says, how can I do anything with this? If I just had the king's sword, if I could have the king's weapon, then I could really make a difference. I could stand tall and fight off the opposition, but what can I do with this? And so dejected and disillusioned, he he took it and he plunged it into the sand and ran from the battle. Gang, I want to talk this morning about something that Paul raises before us. Uh, And there's a tension here. It's a good kind of tension. As, As he writes in Philippians to the church at Philippians, at Philippi, he says, not that I have already obtained this, obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Another translation says this, not that I am perfect or have been perfected, but I press on. You see, there is a paradox of perfection, this concept that really goes back to some of our Wesleyan roots, the paradox of perfection. And he's talking about two kinds here, and he says, in this theological concept, there is one called the glorification after death. The great news for you and for me is those of us who are followers of Christ, well, we will be perfected one day. When we die, we will go to heaven, and God will give us all things new. And all of our infirmities and all of our imperfections and, and all of our uh, kind of uh, idiosyncrasies will, will be wiped away and God will make us new. And, and what Paul is saying is, I, I, I want that kind of perfection. Uh, he says, I want to be caught up in the resurrection of Christ. I want to enter his sufferings and I want to enter into his death and resurrection. And so one day I want to be perfected as is promised by Christ. Because he said, you will one day be like me. And he said that in a resurrected state. But another piece of this paradox, this tension, and and he's not claiming that now. He's not saying, look, I have reached absolute perfection. I've, I've, I've got it all together. He's not saying that. And so that first part, he is not claiming. But the second part, he says that all of us who live in this world need to step into. It's a process, a perfecting process. He says, not that I've already attained all this or have already arrived, but one thing I do is I press on. It's the kind of perfection that is painted as a process where we daily deny ourselves. We daily take up the cross and we seek after the will of God. It's where we say, what would Jesus do? It's where we say, just like Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, but yours, Lord. I want what you want. John Wesley said that that perfecting process really comes to a good point when we can get to this. Get this. The intention of my heart is to do the love of God with my whole heart and to love my neighbor 
as myself. The two greatest commandments. But he, he says, when my heart is right, when I get my intentions purified, the intention of my heart is to do the love of God, is to love God with all my heart and to love my neighbor as myself. You see, we don't cease to be human. Uh, there is always going to be sin in our lives. As long as we're human, there's always going to be selfishness. But Paul is saying, look, get on this road to perfection that I am claiming, that it is a process. And he not only claims it for himself, but he encourages every believer, every follower of Christ to press on into that process of perfection. And so he says, not perfect, but I'm pressing on. And let's look at Philippians um, 3, 13 and 14. He says, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of this, this perfected state. I don't have it all together. I have not arrived but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is lying ahead, pressing on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, recently Anthony was commissioned, and he's moving toward ordination, and we're very proud of him. And, uh, and one of the questions they ask us, when we as clergy come forward and the bishop lays his hands on us, one of the questions in the ordination process is this. Get this. This is a heavy burden. Are you moving toward perfection? That's the question. <laughs> well, i got to tell you, yes, with some hesitancy, because I know and I knew then my limitations. And... What I didn't realize is when I said, yes, I'm moving towards perfection, I didn't realize what that would look like. Oh, I've got so far to go, but the lessons I have learned, the mistakes I have made, the struggles I've had to move through, I really believe that God helped me to answer yes early on as I'm continually answering yes. And some of us in here, you've come into this room and, and maybe you're dejected and discouraged and, and you're, you're feeling defeated like that soldier that you know, plunged his sword into the sand. And, and you're, you're thinking, but Tim, you don't know me. I mean, you, you don't know what the battles I have had to face off with. Uh, I mean, you see my obvious imperfections, but uh, some of the things you, you don't know deep down inside of me. And, and some of you are saying, look, not only am I imperfect, okay, but I have to contend with imperfect people, and I am so weary with that, and I'm so frustrated, and they are so human, and I am so human. What is the use? Why bother? I mean, am I going to do anything good by moving forward? Well, think about Jesus. I mean, think about what he did as he went out to get those disciples, those early ones where he nominated them and he selected them, the very first thing he did is he went to the mountains to pray. That is huge. And he needed to, based on the ones he would pick. 
I mean, just think about that motley crew that was collected, that, that first team, team that did ministry. Uh, Peter, he said, Peter, you're awesome, man. In fact, I'm going to build my church on you. Now think about that a minute. This is the guy that said, Jesus of Nazareth? Don't know the man. A and then Judas, he kisses him while betraying him. Maybe you felt that way. And yet he took this imperfect group of people and he created the church. What would happen if he had waited until the perfect time? Until he said, I, you know what, I'm going to get these specimens that are absolutely perfect. They're going to be the best and they're not going to be ones that have mistakes. They've never sinned and they are without flaw. Gang, there would never have been the movement of Christianity if he had waited till the perfect time. And, and the fact that, uh, that you are here and I am here is, is a statement that he can still take imperfect people and do his perfect will. I mean, those disciples, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, the Lord speaks to me and it's like, I'm sorry, Lord, I, di I didn't get that until now. And that's the way he must have uh, had to contend with them. I mean, after the ascension from the resurrection of the dead, one of them asked him, so is this when you're going to establish your political kingdom? And he, he said, you, you, don't, you don't get it. You don't get it. And, and yet he continued to use them. And I think his message is, you know what? This is a group of guys that are imperfect, but I'm going to press on. And it's important for us to press on even when things may not be perfect. Now, you have to be wise and you need to, to be intuitive. But gang... Sometimes, some of the most important things need to happen when we perceive that it's not the perfect time. I mean, I, I think about my roommate in college. Um, he still lives here in middle Georgia, so I won't use his name. And, uh, and uh, let's just say he was a ladies' man. I mean, they flocked to him. Uh, he was handsome. He was smooth. He was a musician, kind of like Kyle. And, 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 uh, and, and, and they loved him. And, uh, and, and so they'd come to his dorm room, and there I'd be, and, 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 and he would get in a relationship with a girl, and after about three, four weeks, he'd say, she's kind of weird, man. I'd say, oh, really? What's wrong? And he'd name some non-issue. And then he'd have a, another one, and they'd be in a relationship, and I'd say, well, what's up? She makes this weird clicking noise. Okay, well. Okay, all right. Uh, and then he'd meet somebody else, and after about the third good-looking girl, I said, well, listen, if you don't want to go out with her, I'll take her out, okay? But anyway, there was no perfect girl, and finally, um, I, I, I moved down here. I was the associate at Martha Bowman, and, uh, and he would visit us as a single guy. And he would visit us, and, and I would say, now, blank. I would say, that's pastoral confidentiality there. I would say, you know, there, you're not going to find the perfect girl. I just need to tell you. And he said, you don't think so? I said, no. And Delia was across the room. And the Holy Spirit moved on me. And I said, because I've already found her. That was a deposit in my account. And so, gang, 
it's important to know that that kind of perfection that we've talked about, we're not talking about the resurrection from the dead, we're talking about that process where we are imperfect people and God is perfecting us. And sometimes he calls us to do something, the perfect thing in his will, but in our mind it may not be the perfect time. And sometimes we use that as a means to excuse ourselves from responsibilities. We evade responsibility. And, and, and sometimes we fail God and not allowing him to develop our spiritual gifts. Okay? Because we say, you know what? I don't have it all together. Or wait a little bit until uh, I can get my life together. Gang, your life is not going to be together. I, I, I mean, sometimes are better than others. Some seasons we feel like there's more order to our lives. But we're never, absolutely ever going to have our lives completely together. And so if some of you are out there saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm on, I'm, I'm going to go to AA once I get some things together. And you know that addiction is holding you back. Uh, you're fooling yourself. you got to go now. And some of you may be saying, you know, I, I want to step into ministry and I, I want to participate and I want to volunteer and I want to give of myself to the work of Christ, but I have got so much going on. Well, you're always going to have things going on. And, and some may be saying, you know, I don't know what I can offer. I mean, uh, you don't know me. I don't have that much to give. But God knows what you have to give. And I want to say he sees you as perfect. And doing his will. His perfect will. And so Paul is saying, I, I am not all together. I don't have it together perfectly. But I press on. I mean, what would have happened if John Wesley, the father of the Methodist movement, had said, I'm going to wait for the perfect time. I mean, what if he had said, I'm going to wait for the church doors of England, the Anglican church, to open before I'm going to start a revival. You know where he started a revival? He went to a cemetery and stood on a tombstone and began to preach. And people came to know Christ as their personal Savior. And, and they gave their lives to Jesus. Now if he had waited, we might not be here. I think about here at Martha Bowman Church. Some of the decisions we've had to make went on faith to even establish an outpost of ministry at this location i believe we're here for a reason and that reason was established years and years ago and so one of the things we can rest in when we don't feel perfect is the fact that christ perfectly performed on the cross and we can let the Holy Spirit continue that perfecting work in us as we seek and strive to live for the will of God. Listen to this. Paul had a good understanding when he said this. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of God may dwell in me. You see, God is using us in our natural state of being, in all that is wrong with us, all that is right with us, and he takes us in the natural and does something supernatural. I mean, it can happen in relationships. 
And sometimes we have to step out in faith when we don't even see how he is doing his perfect will in our lives early on. We have to trust that we're walking in his will with the intention of our heart pure and the fruit will come. I think about how um, we do something called missionary night in our home. Uh, some of you may have done this where you have missionaries and they, they're plastered all over your refrigerator and they're families of missionaries that have traveled and given their whole life. They sacrificed everything to go and share the gospel. And one of the things we would do is before we would eat, um, and still do, on Monday nights we would uh, pull one off the fridge and, and read off the names and hold it up for the kids. But we did this back uh, early on. Uh, we did it when uh, Jordan was little and Rebecca and, and Jacob. And, and, and I got to tell you, it was bedlam. I mean, it was like Jordan was banging on the high chair. Okay, spewing food everywhere. Okay, uh, Rebecca was fractious at that little redhead. She was just crying and, and carrying on. And, 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 and Jacob, there's something about little boys. I don't know if anybody has a little boy, but there is an extra gravitational pull that happens with boys. They, they sit halfway on their chair, and in the middle of a meal, they'll disappear. It's amazing. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's just, it's amazing. And, and so you're in, and so I'm going, Children, tonight is missionary night. In the midst of bedlam. Well, I got to tell you, it wasn't the perfect of situations. But even now, on Monday night, Jordan will say, isn't tonight missionary night? And Buell will go pull a card off the fridge. Or Jacob will come home now as a college graduate and say, Who's our missionary night person or family? Okay, I guess my point is, it was an imperfect setting. And I wanted to give up. And I thought, let's just eat. <laughs> but God in his perfect will knows better than me if I will just be obedient. And that's important in our marriage, our parenting, and the people that we deal with every day. It's important for us to understand that we live in an imperfect world, we deal with imperfect people, and we are imperfect. I, I love what my wife says. Uh, she's very gracious, and she's very kind. And she didn't know I was going to share this, but she'll get over it. And, um, or I'll pay one or the other. And, and so, um, but, but if she says something like, well, why didn't they do such and such? I know none of the other wives do this. Or, or why didn't you go this way on the way to this destination? You ever heard that? Anybody? And I, when she says something about somebody else, and she doesn't do that very often, so don't worry about you, okay? But I'll say, honey, they didn't sign up for your perfection class. I'm sorry. We'll send them to camp perfection next time we get an opportunity. Well, you know, I guess my point is all of us are broken. All of us are in need of God's grace. All of us need the Holy Spirit. And that's the wonderful thing about what Zechariah heard from the Lord. The scripture is this, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Let's say that together. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In other words, if I'm going to do the perfect will of God, I'm going to put forth some effort. That's good. 
And I've got to be intentional. That's important. But the bottom line is, when you have the synergy of my efforts and my pure intentions with the power of the Holy Spirit, some incredible supernatural things can happen. A train full of soldiers, uh, they were sauced, they were drunk, and uh, they were packed into this traveling railway car on their way to a destination. And they were singing songs, and some of them got pretty vulgar. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden, one of them, he was intoxicated as well, said, Hey, you know, you've got that accordion over there, okay? Why don't you play? Do you remember that song, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms? And another one said, Yeah, I ca- how could you forget that? And the accordion player started courting, and he said, I remember my grandmother sat me by the bench where she played the piano and taught me this. And so he begins to play. And these drunken sailors are singing, leaning, leaning, safe and secure, leaning on the everlasting arms. Now, men and women, here's the word. There were seeds that were planted in the lives of those drunken sailors and, and soldiers that they could never get away from. And the seeds that we plant in the lives of others, we may feel, what's the use? They're broken, I'm broken, can I make a difference? And in God's timing, He will bring it to fruition. All we have to do is be faithful. Well, Paul was saying, look, I am not perfect. In fact, I will be absolutely sanctified and perfected on the day I go to be with the Lord. But in the meantime, I want the perfecting work of Jesus Christ to work in my life in such a way that I am refined and moistened clay, shaped into his image. And that is a process that we have to engage in, that we have to partner with God on. And it means we've got to press on. And you know, even as a church, there may be moments where we look back and we say, Let's, let's live back here. Let's live back here. And I think what Paul would say is, I'm not going to look back. I'm straining forward. And I'm pressing on towards the prize. That same battle, soldier came up. That must mean I've got to move. I hear special music in the distance. But hear me out. That same battle, different soldier. This time it was the king's son. And he falls about where that other one is. He had lost his weapon along the way. And, and he's ready to give up. And he's like, if I could only honor my father and his kingdom in a way that would be deserving. But I don't know if I can. And then he saw that beaten, banged up, out of the line sword that the other soldier had used. And something in him happened. And he, he caught a sight of it and he, he grabbed it and he held it up in all of its imperfections and said, I'm going back in. And he stood up. And he charged. And he led his platoon to victory. Maybe you feel that way. You're just wondering, 
do I have anything to offer? Well, the wonderful thing for us is Christ has offered it all and He is perfecting us. And the simple message today is press on. Let's pray together.